0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Bothell Amplified. Pastor Joe here. Uh, We are continuing on in our Lent series called Seeking from a Sanctified Art. Uh, Today we uh, navigate the story of Nicodemus in John 3, verses 1-17. through And we see how Jesus challenges Nicodemus to change his worldview so that he too can be open to all that God has in store. Uh, Check out the sermon here.
1: morning. My name is Jim Crouch. Today, the second Sunday of Lent, in our series Seeking, we turn to John chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, "'Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher "'who has come from God, "'for no one can do these signs that you do "'unless God is with that person.' "'Jesus answered him, "'Very truly I tell you, "'no one can see the kingdom of God "'without being born from above.' "'Nicodemus said to him, "'How can anyone be born after having grown old?' Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things. No, no one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the man of, Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world, that God gave God's only Son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Holy words for God's people.
2: This week, I had, I had a, a lunch meeting. I was meeting a colleague and friend for lunch today, uh, this week. And um, the, the issue was that I had a scheduled to meet at noon, and she had a scheduled to meet at 12.30. And so for half an hour, I drank a lot of water and a lot of tea, and I had to kind of tell the, the server, I was like, hey, um, I, my friend's coming, I promise, my friend is coming. And I had that awkward back and forth. Um, And and so she finally got there around 12.30, and uh, when she got there, we greeted each other, said, hey, it's so good to see you, so good to see each other. Um, And then we sat down and I said, how are you feeling? How are you? And she said, I'm actually feeling uh, really frazzled right now. And she said, "Um, I really don't like being late, right? And so I was like, yeah, it's okay, nobody does, don't worry about it, I had time, you know, kind of did one of those things. And she said, no, 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 no. It's not about you feeling bad. It's about me feeling bad about myself that I was late. And then she said, I'm learning to give myself grace. Ooh, that kind of stuck with me all week. Giving ourselves grace. How often or how, yeah, how often do we, are we harder on ourselves than we are on other people? Always, I hear, how often do we hold ourselves to higher standards or have expectations or or are more critical of ourselves than of other people? I want you to hear this this morning. Give yourself grace. It's okay. God loves you for who you are. Even if you were late this morning to church, somebody. (laughs) Just kidding. I am really stuck with this. It's important for us to understand that the fullness of who we are and for who God creates us to be, that is the holy and belovedness in us. Not for anything we can accomplish, not for any expectations that we might meet. It's simply for being you, that God loves you and this community loves you. All right, we want to say that this morning as we gather for worship, as we come together in community on site and online, you are welcome and you belong exactly for who god created you to be you are welcome and you belong we also want to name and recognize that there are places in our world in our society where that's not true for everyone where people have been pushed out or kept out or marginalized and if that has been your experience especially in the church we want to name first that we are sorry and that for this little while together we're making a commitment that you will know that you are welcome and that you belong. For us, this is what this means. If you are gay or lesbian or transgender, bisexual or questioning, know that you are welcome, know that you belong. If you're black or brown or indigenous, if you have been discriminated against because of the color of your skin, know that you are welcome, know that you belong. If you find yourself homeless or houseless or in the lower economic brackets of our community, If you're single or divorced or partnered or separated, know that you are welcome, know that you belong with all of your unique gifts and abilities, created to be bearers of Christ's image to all the world. Know that you are welcome, know that you belong. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Holy God, be present here and in all the places from which we are worshiping. Move in us and through us that we too would be moved and changed. Speak to us, we pray. Less of me, more of you. None of me, all of you. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Uh, We have a lot to get to today, and so we're just going to go right into the text. And I want to invite you and introduce you to this man named Nicodemus who, who comes to Jesus in the middle of the night, and he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one does these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. And I want to invite you to think about something for a second. As Nicodemus is approaching Jesus in the middle of the night, what do you think he wanted in coming to Jesus? And I'm not sure if he actually knows. Right. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He's a leader of the Jews. And he's heard about this jesus he's seen signs that jesus has performed maybe he was with jesus at the wedding when jesus turned water to wine Uh, maybe he saw jesus at the temple maybe he saw jesus healing other people whatever nicodemus saw it was important enough and sacred enough holy enough that he comes to jesus in the middle of the night and he says rabbi we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Okay, follow me on this. For him, for Nicodemus, this sign signify something. Nicodemus is so fascinated and so fixated on these signs that he comes to find this Jesus, trusting that Jesus is from God. It's, it's almost as if it's a formula, right? Rabbi, teacher, leader, uh, respected person, healer, plus miracles equals presence of God. But note how Jesus responds. Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Okay, so that phrase, born from above, in Greek it's gnao, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. Our translation translates it into born from above, but, but other translations, they use the phrase born again. No one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above, or no one can see the kingdom of God without being born again, and this is one of the places where the term born again Christian comes from, right? For some, this idea of being born again indicates a task to accomplish. So the logic goes something like this. Believe in God, therefore you are born again, therefore you go to heaven, Right, it's the culmination of this Christian journey, and we, we know that Nicodemus interprets Jesus' response this way too, because he says, How can anyone be born again after having grown old? But, but, but I wonder what changes in the ways in which we interpret scripture if we were to use the translation, born from above. Remember, the the gospel according to John is not super concerned about the end of the world or about salvation after death. John is interested in each individual's relationship with Jesus, how, how one is a disciple of Jesus, and how the impact happens when there is a relationship with Jesus. What is the impact on the world today, presently, now? And so when Jesus says to Nicodemus that no one can see the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God without being born from above, Jesus is not talking about what happens after death. Jesus is challenging Nicodemus to completely turn on his head his understanding of the world. Right, Nicodemus, you came to me based on worldly standards. You think that God is with me because of everything I can do, because all that I can accomplish, because I'm a teacher and I'm a rabbi, I'm somebody worthy of respect, that I can do all these signs. But all you will see, if that's what you are framing, your understanding of who I am is, is mistaken. If that's all you can see... If you cannot throw away the world, the understanding of the world, all you will see are signs. That's it. It means that Nicodemus needs to stop thinking that Jesus has come from God because of what Jesus can do. It's to know that Jesus came from God because of who God is. For God so loved the world. And we get to this famous passage, this uh, dangerously famous passage with so much to unpack, but, but here's where we'll land today. God came to meet us through the person of Jesus, not to condemn, but to save. And again, it's not saved as in to go to heaven and salvation, it's, it's saved from, from sin. It's saved from brokenness. It's saved from hurting one another, from destroying one another. God came to meet us through the person of Jesus because our world desperately needs healing, because the ways we understand the world is doing harm. No one will see the kingdom of God without being born from above. No one will experience healing without changing the ways we see the world. No one will experience community without changing the ways we see the world. No one will experience life and life abundantly without changing the ways we see the world. So, what needs to change in the ways we see the world? Do we need to change what we value? Is it money, status, education, fame? Do we need to change who we value? Women, immigrants, people in the disability community, people of the LGBTQIA community? non-binary and gender non-conforming siblings, black folk, brown folk, native and indigenous folk, divorcees, what needs to change so that we can truly claim that God loves the world, the the whole world, the, the whole cosmos. Here's what I love about this story. Uh, John 3 is not the only time we meet Nicodemus. Here, we, we find that he's clearly in the ways of the world. He's approaching Jesus with his own set of values. He's not even understanding the things that Jesus is saying. But, but then we see this shift. Because in chapter 7, Jesus is continuing in his ministry. He's teaching and preaching, and he's doing all of these miracles. He's, he's challenging the systems and the status quo, and, and others begin to notice The the temple police, the the high priests, the Pharisees, they, they all are threatened by his message and they start to question who he is. They start to think about ways in which to arrest this false leader and it's in that crowd of leaders where Nicodemus stands up and he says, Others, could you please listen to Jesus, see what he's doing before you condemn him. And then we meet him again right, we're in chapter 19, and Jesus is now dead. He's crucified, executed by the state, and it's Nicodemus, who in broad daylight now comes to help bury Jesus, bury the one who reminded him of God's love for the world, of of God's love for him. We get to go on this journey with Nicodemus, who encounters Jesus in his many stages, the many different stages of his life. And I I can't help think about the ways in which we encounter Jesus as well. A few weeks ago, um, I I shared that uh, we'll be going on a journey together as a church to remember what it means to live into what church is Today, I shared that we'll announce some of the steps we might take, some of the ideas we might try, some of the changes that we might make, things like how we worship, how we communicate, how we order ourselves, how we serve, things like where our money goes, things like how we do life. And already, we've announced the launching of our community groups So this is your first time hearing it, from Easter to Pentecost, for those seven weeks, we're asking everyone in our community, whether you worship with us online or here in the building, to join one of the 20 to 25 community groups that we are launching. We got about 15 secured. We're waiting for a few more confirmations. Uh, We want everyone to dive back into what it means to be in community. But I want to go deeper. So remember, for me, the definition of church is this biblical communities of worship gathered and sent. Biblical communities of worship gathered and sent. Biblical communities, meaning we are people connected by the story of God's faithfulness throughout Scripture. Okay? Of worship, meaning that today, even, we are connected to God through praise and through prayer and through song and laments, right? We're gathered in community and we're sent for the sake of the world, for the sake of God's preferred future for the beloved community which we hope to live into today, biblical communities of worship gathered and sent. And that's what we've been. Right? That's what Bothell United Methodist Church has been. Since 1885, we've been a biblical community of worship. We've gathered people initially of those who are suffering from what we now know as PTSD, people who are lonely, who have traveled to this new territory to experience new life, and who we are today. We are still a biblical community of worship. But... Who we are today is different from who we were then, and it's important to note the journey. So listen, just in the last 10 years, in 2012, we had about 200 people in worship. In 2019, we had 390. In 2023, we were averaging 165. And this is just on site, right? We want to honor those, but it's hard to measure the people who are online. So on site, we went from 200 to 390 to 165. The reality is that COVID and its after effects have completely altered what church is and where the church might be going in the future. And we have to wrestle with that. We have to discern that. About a year ago, maybe a little bit more, I took an informal straw poll. I, I asked uh, 30 of you, uh, not all in this service, but I asked about 30 of you uh, why you came to church. And uh, I invited you to share with me your answers. And, and, and surprisingly, very few of you said the sermon. <clears throat> we'll work on that. Unsurprisingly, everyone said Community. Everyone said that they came to church to be with one another in community. If that's at all indicative of who we are, it says that we are a people drawn to one another because we want to do this thing called life together, that we want to be a biblical community of worship gathered and sent. That's why we're doing these community groups, and that's why, as we continue to emphasize community, we will move to one service from April 16 to September 30. For those Sundays, our community will worship together at one service at 9.30 a.m. We'll take components of both services uh, as we work to curate a worshipful experience where our whole community at once can grow closer to God and closer to one another. And then in September, we'll evaluate and we'll discern and we'll listen for how the Spirit is leading us forward. Is it one service? Is it two? Is it three? Is it four? But that's not all. I really wanted that to sound like a game. And that's not all. In conjunction with our 930 service, we'll also be offering ways to be gathered and sent together afterwards on Sunday morning. Again, this is to live into our values. Because we believe so much that gathering in community together and being sent together will help us to live into our purpose of becoming Christ in the community. Here's what the flow is going to look like, right? Sunday mornings, 9.30 a.m., we'll have worship together. 10.30 a.m., we'll meet in the fellowship hall for coffee, get to know the folks around you, hang out with one another, share in life together. 11 a.m., we'll have gathered and sent And this is going to be an opportunity for all of us every week to play together, to learn together, to serve together, to participate in activities together that help us live into our purpose, to play, to learn, and to serve. All right, more information is coming. Uh, We're going to have registration and sign-ups for the community groups in two weeks. Uh, we'll start to announce some of what our worship service will be like as we uh, build that team who's actively working on designing that service. We already have some activities scheduled. We're going to do some service with uh, Maltby Food Bank. With, we're going to go to the parks. Uh, we're trying to figure out how to rent out a movie theater. We're going to go to a baseball game. We're going to find ways to play, to learn, and to serve together. And that's what's going, I believe shape us into who God is calling us to be, not just for the church of today, but for the church of where the Spirit is leading. In the meantime, I want to invite you to take on a posture like that of Nicodemus. Here's what I mean. Take on the posture that's open to the possibilities of what happens when we encounter Jesus. Nicodemus showed up in the middle of the the night not knowing even what he was looking for, But he showed up anyway open to the possibilities earlier i asked you i said what needs to change in the ways we see the world it's us it's us we need to let go of the tight grip that we have on what we think is truth we need to let go of the tight grip we have on the things that may have worked before we need to let go of all that we've been conditioned to believe so that we can leave room for the spirit to work in us and through us that our communities might experience transformation i heard this question this week and i want to ask you if our church closed tomorrow will anyone except the people in worship notice what needs to change in the ways we see the world and if if we can learn to let go if we can take on the posture of humility and openness if we can receive all that the spirit has in store imagine the possibilities imagine the impact of transformation that would happen in our hearts And in our community imagine what happens when we show up open to all that God has in store here I am open willing and excited about the possibilities ahead this is why we gather at the table we're going to come to communion in just a moment we gather to remember that now, what we have in this moment, now is not it. It's not the end. We come together because we have the audacity to believe that there is a better way, that God has something in store for us individually and our community. If we think about the disciples that gathered at the table, they gathered because they had the audacity to trust a guy who said, let down what you have and follow me, to believe that what was isn't the end, that there could be the embodiment of hope and joy and peace and love in the world. They gathered, dreaming about tomorrow. Now, when they gathered, they didn't gather as perfected people, right? They didn't know what was going on. In a few days, one of them would betray them. After that, one would doubt them. They would all scatter and run away. They were not here because they were already whole but their individual pieces coming together made the beauty of community and allowed for, in that moment, God's love to be made known. We come to the table every time we do communion because we affirm and accept the possibilities that God's love could be made known. Amen? All right, so that was our sermon, a part
0: two of our Lent series seeking uh, there 's a lot there uh, not only do we follow Nicodemus and challenge ourselves to see the world anew in a fresh. But we also announced some major changes and some big things happening in the life of our church. Uh, We are launching community groups starting in Easter. We're trying to invite everyone to be part of doing life together and joining one of the many community groups that we are preparing for. Registration will come out in about two weeks. We also announced that uh, we will be having one service starting uh, the Sunday after Easter all the way through September as well as our new programming called Gathered and Sent. Uh, Definitely more information will be coming your way. But in the meantime, I invite you to have open postures and open hearts and be excited uh, of all that God is doing. Uh, Have a great week and we'll
2: see you soon.